Do you have Triskaidekaphobia? Then today is not the day for you, for it is November 13th, 2020, the second time this year that the 13th day of the month has fallen on a Friday. The last time was back in March, and we all know what happened next. So let's be extra careful today after hearing this installment of the Charlottesville Community Engagement Newscast and Newsletter. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs. Today's Patreon-fueled shout-out is from a supporter who wants you to consider a donation for Monica Johnson, a pro-strong woman who will be competing in a charity powerlifting event on November 21st called Make Every Rep Count. Gregory Carey Medlock is donating 30 cents for every pound Monica squats to the Blue Ridge Area Food Bank. You can choose between three other charities. Learn more at a Shenandoah Power. Sponsors are accepted through November 14th. There are another 1,235 cases of COVID-19 in Virginia today, and the seven-day average for positive tests remains at 6.5% for a second straight day. The seven-day average for new daily cases is 1,499. In the Blue Ridge Health District, there are four new cases today. This is a good time to remind you that these numbers are always subject to change as new information comes in. For instance, Albemarle's total number of cases dropped by one today to 1,688 since the pandemic began. This could mean that the person's locality was originally reported incorrectly. Charlottesville, Fluvanna, Green, Louisa, and Nelson all added one case each today. The seven-day average for new daily cases in the district is 22, and their percent positivity has increased to 2.1%. The University of Virginia COVID-19 tracker shows 66 active cases, with 47 of them students. These numbers have been increasing all week, and watch for an update later on this afternoon. Floodwaters have receded all across Virginia and the town of Scottsville has contended with the highest level the James River has reached since 2016, according to town manager Matt Lawless. According to the National Weather Service, the river crested at 19.5 feet and will slowly lower throughout the next 24 hours. The town's fire department reached the second stage of flood control alert and closed off the flood control walls at Perry Street. Scottsville has experienced many floods throughout its history, according to the Scottsville Museum. A flood control levy has been in place since 1990. Charlottesville's appointed officials sought fiscal clarity from Charlottesville's elected officials last night during a budget work session that sought to gauge council's willingness to seek additional revenues to pay for major projects. John Blair is the interim city manager. As you all know, there are a number of large-scale capital projects that have been talked about um, in various uh, iterations through the past few years. But tonight, what I've asked our budget team to do is to provide you with some numbers that are going to demonstrate using your debt capacity for various projects. Blair said that the city is close to its debt capacity and more projects will likely require tax increases. But he said that topic was not directly before them last night. Blair's budget for fiscal year 2022 will not be unveiled until March. It will also be the first to be prepared under this council. Obviously, I think a number of you have interest in various capital needs, whether it's affordable housing, whether it's education, whether it's infrastructure. For now, the budget is in the very early stages of formation because exact revenues aren't yet known. 
budget staff needed to know council's thoughts on whether to change key policies that would allow for the increase of the amount of bonds that could be sold to pay for capital projects. Doing so will increase the amount the city needs to spend on debt service to pay back those who buy those bonds for a steady return. We have been in fiscal year 2021 since July 1st, and a decision was made by council earlier this year to continue with $25.8 million worth of projects in the capital budget, and they signal support for a total five-year plan of $124.1 million. Here's Chrissy Hamill, Senior Budget and Management Analyst for the City of Charlottesville. We were going to fund $84 million of this five-year plan with bonds. And if you'll recall, um, due to COVID, all of, just about all of the cash um, that was originally intended to go to the CIP was instead held in a reserve in the general fund um, to, help, to help offset any of the COVID um, unknowns. Practice has been to use a mixture of cash and bonds to pay for capital projects, and since 2010, the average has been 37% cash. For this year's capital budget, 93% will be paid for through bonds. Currently, the city has about $90 million in government debt, $80 million of which is for bonds that have been approved for projects but not yet issued. Uh, So that means that we typically issue bonds on a cash-needed basis, so we don't issue the bonds until the project is you know, either imminent or well underway because we do have spending requirements that once we issue the bonds, we we typically need to spend that money within 24 months. Hamill said the city has been building up a fund balance to help reduce the amount of cash that needs to go to debt service each year. But at some point, the city will need additional cash from property taxes to make up the difference. Hamill showed a hypothetical situation where $32 million in new bonds are floated each year through fiscal year 2027. That would increase the debt service steadily over time, from $11 million in fiscal year 2022 to $19.2 million in fiscal year 2026. You've basically built in the need for a penny um, of revenue, additional revenue that it's equivalent to a, basically a penny a year. To put it colloquially, Hamill effectively stated that the city can float an additional $52 million in bonds without maxing out the credit card. Potential projects include additional spending at the future parking garage, reconfiguration of city schools, and continued investments in affordable housing. What did council have to say? I'll have a detailed report out on that by tomorrow morning, potentially in a Saturday edition of this program. The city of Charlottesville is looking for a new human resources director. City spokesman Brian Wheeler confirmed Thursday that Michelle Vineyard will leave the position after just over a year. The job is advertised for between $100,000 and $156,000, and the position closes on November 30th. Vineyard began work in late October 2019 at a salary of $145,000 a year, according to an article that month in the Daily Progress. How can communities across the Mid-Atlantic prepare for predicted bouts of irregular weather and erratic storms? The nonprofit group Resilient Virginia is seeking to draw awareness to the importance of creating plans to be ready for sudden shocks and stresses related to climate change. Annette also is the group's managing director, and she spoke on November 9th during the latest presentation that is part of her group's 2020 Resiliency Academy. Uh, As we know and we've seen, uh, the Commonwealth is facing increasing challenges from extreme weather events, whether they be storms, flooding, sea level rise, tornadoes, 
uh, and unpredictable weather patterns that impact economic and social life. Speakers were from the Resilient Rural America Project, which creates educational models for residents and decision makers in rural areas on how to increase resilience. Dr. Gwen Griffith is the program director of the Model Forest Policy Program. The rural lands and waters are um, vital to all of us, urban and rural alike, in terms of serving our needs. Rural economics, of course, is a vital part. It's the underpinning um, of all of our other economic systems. Griffith said those services include rivers that provide water to urban areas and trees and lands that offset greenhouse gas emissions. And those natural services are definitely being um, impacted as changing conditioners are happening around the globe um, and right here in Virginia. Um, in the most common form of those changes is being seen as extreme weather impacts. Griffith said that in the last five years, there have been $535 billion worth of disaster losses due to extreme weather. However, she said those dollars can sometimes be considered an investment if they can restore conditions in a way that mitigates future weather effects. We know now that, uh, for example, when you do flood mitigation for river flooding, you can have a return as much as $7 Um, in savings for every $1 that you invest in that mitigation activity. Next up for Resilient Virginia is planning for their conference coming up next July. The Jefferson-Madison Regional Library is further extending hours for curbside service at the Central Library and the Gordon Avenue Library. Camille Thompson, the branch manager of the Gordon Avenue Library, said that she is pleased to offer more options and adding an additional evening for those working during the day. You can take a look at those details in the newsletter. There are also expanded hours at the Greene County Library and the Louisa County Library. For more information about hours and services, visit jmrl.org. In addition, the Friends of the Jefferson-Madison Regional Library will begin collecting donations for its annual book sale at the Gordon Avenue location only, Monday through Saturday from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. To repeat, the Gordon Avenue location only. Looking for a movie to go and see tomorrow night with your family? The city of Charlottesville will show the 2013 film Free Birds, about two turkeys who travel back in time to prevent the advent of Thanksgiving. Tickets for the event at Charlottesville High School are $20 a carload. In meetings today, the Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority will hold an emergency meeting on safety issues today at 2 p.m. to discuss recent violence, the police response, and the hiring of a security firm to help. If you're looking for something to listen to, consider a radio play from Live Arts. They will debut Antony and Cleopatra in Space. The work on YouTube is written and directed by Alexandra Belova, a videographer, writer, and director living in Fairfax, Virginia. Before I go today, one correction from yesterday. Yesterday, I reported on State Farm deciding to vacate its operations center on Pantops. I incorrectly stated that they own the property, when in fact it is held by an investment group called JDM2SF National LLC. They purchased many State Farm operations centers across the country in 2014 from another group that purchased them from State Farm in 2013. The property records in Albemarle's GIS lists the same Bloomington, Indiana address for the owner as the corporate office 
as the corporate office of the insurance company. But it is not owned by them. It's owned by JDM2 SF National LLC. And that's it for this edition and the 90th episode of the Charlottesville Community Engagement Report. I'm not even sure how many weeks that translates into. But one thing is for sure. I am going to continue doing this for as long as I can, and that depends on financial support from all manner of people. As you know, you can subscribe to this document and you'll get the you'll be the first to hear the city council story that's coming up later. Or you can make a monthly donation through Patreon for basic government research and support. You can send me something through Venmo, or you can mail me a check. Contact me to get the address. I really have enjoyed putting this program together, and I really appreciate the support uh, from everybody over the last eight months of this pandemic as I've decided to create whatever this thing is. I'm Sean Tubbs, your host, and I'll be back on Monday with another installment. In the meantime, as I said, Triskaidekaphobia or not, please be careful and stay safe out there today.